Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hey, we're at Nissan Stadium today. Oh, man. Do you get, like, do you just feel like you want to go hit somebody when you pull in the parking lot here? No, nah, I'm glad I, I wouldn't, man, because you'd be the closest person to me. <laughs> well, I was thinking of Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking no, Kirby would no, be no. the recipient of that. You know, uh, you know, if you do that, then just think, imagine, if, you know, the current players – you know, you get all pumped up. Well, you know, you're going to run out of gas before the game even starts. Uh, you know, so, no, I, I don't get any juices, uh, you know, coming up to the stadium. Actually, I kind of enjoy it because, you know, most of the parts of the stadium I haven't been in. I've been over it over the years. But as a player, you know, like, oh, dear, I'm sitting in such and such. I'm like, I don't know where the seats are. <laughs> so, yeah, so I feel like I'm I'm still always uh, learning, seeing a new area and stuff like that. But I, I never get my juices. From. When I look at the stadium, though, when I pull up, you know, we do Titans Ray. Radio on Saturday, you know, on Sunday or Saturday or whatever day we, they're playing, I get a little pumped up and juiced up just seeing the fans and, and the atmosphere around the stadium and the tailgating. Now, that kind of gets me going. I remember, you know, driving in, you know, at 7, 38 o'clock in the morning, people getting ready, you know, you come into the stadium. So uh, that that would get me pumped up, but no, not not today. I mean, you know, people may get, you know, pumped up today, uh, you know, because of the uh, blood drive, though. Because that's what's going on, but you know you got to make sure you uh, go to the website, right, Mickey? Yeah, that's right. So we are on uh, the east side of the stadium in the club level. That's where we are. And uh, in talking to the folks with the Red Cross, so the Titans of the Red Cross are doing blood drives all over the region right now. So today just happens to be at Nissan Stadium. We're going to be here until 6 o'clock today. Uh, they're asking people to basically donate blood all week leading up to this game. It's just another thing. Hey, if you're excited about the Titans, donate blood. Help to save a life. Celebrate mm-hmm. that way. Collection sites all over town. Uh, and, again, we'll be here until 6 o'clock today. The Zone, uh, you can enter to win a signed A.J. Brown helmet when you arrive Ooh. for your appointment. But as Blaine said, you got to make an appointment. So there's very limited ability for walk-ups. So here's what you do if you want to register. You go to Blaine and Mickey's Twitter. I put the link up there. Um, you go to Red Cross Blood. Easy to remember, redcrossblood.org slash donate. You type in your zip code, and you can register. So if you want to try to come by here, they said there's still some limited availability. You type in TN Titans to select this location. So it's going to be an awesome day. we got a couple cheerleaders here. Uh, we got people donating, so we're going to be doing the show here. Mm-hmm. You've got questions. Uh, you can, uh, again, check our Blaine and Mickey Twitter account. We've got yeah. the link up there. Yeah, Red Cross Blood.org slash donate. But also remember, bring your mask because as you wait and they have spaces and everything else in between uh, to, to bring your mask. So I have a mask in every jacket uh, during this weather time, so I never come up short in case they don't have a mask for you. Got a little UT uh, former quarterback news. I just saw this as we came on. I know we're going to talk a lot of Titans today. Uh, I missed it. Harrison Bailey. Oh. Let's ride UNLV. Ooh, Vegas. Yeah. Harrison Bailey headed to uh, headed to UNLV, committed in the transfer portal. Well, congratulations to him. Yeah. Been a minute. So he found an opportunity, and uh, hopefully he'll play right away, and that's what you want to get on the field. These days. I didn't see that. 
Uh, it just hit right before we jumped on. So there you go, a little uh, former Vol quarterback news. Uh, we're going to talk a bunch of Titans today, but we are going to do this, and I think this will be really interesting for Titans fans, so don't go anywhere if you're listening or call a buddy, tell a friend. George Bremer uh, is going to join us in the second segment, so in like, I don't know, 15 minutes from now to talk about all the things that are going on in Indy. It was some interesting uh, postseason news conferences up there, like not committing to the quarterback and Jim Ursay. going on up there i looked though they still got millions in salary cap money they're like number seven in available salary cap funds they have all kinds of money to spend they could throw money at problems <laughs> well you know they, they say money solves all problems there for the salary cap so we shall see man really oh man could they afford to make carson Wentz a backup and bring in another quarterback like like I'm I'm imagining you know you 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 dream of things that have nightmares more. Well, my nightmare is that they sign Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz as his backup. They keep <laughs> both of them just in case the other one gets hurt. And they go, well, you're a great backup, Wentz. Uh, they may not want to pay him that money, but if you got a lot of cap space, oh, that'd be so much of a nightmare for me. They got <laughs> cap space. Oh man. Oh, that is not what I want. Hey, well, you know what? Maybe I'll ask uh, Bremer who, what you, what we think they're thinking. Sure. Say and, and Ballard and GM and everybody, as well as Reich, yeah. It is interesting, though. So much of the talk about the Colts is how great Frank Reich is and how great Ballard is. And if you look at John Robinson, I think he's maybe been on the job one year longer. But Vrabel and Frank Reich, same amount of time. Vrabel has more regular season wins, more postseason wins. Rabel's got back-to-back AFC South championships. The Colts haven't won the AFC South since 2014. Although, if you just went on the streets and said, who wins the AFC South every year? I think people would say, oh, it's the Colts. Yeah. I believe that. Well, it's brainwashed in their, you know, head because of Peyton Manning. (laughs) But everybody's won it since then. Even the Jags have won it since they've won it. Right, right. That's crazy. And then even Luck kind of followed that up. Oh, man, did you see the pictures of Luck? Man, he looked like he's uh, lost a lot of weight. Did I? Did the way he looked concern you? Or did he just look like somebody who lost a lot of weight and wasn't interested in football anymore? I get where you're going. Well, you know what? A lot of guys, when they finish playing, whether whatever position they are, you know, kind of start eating right, stop lifting weights, and, uh, you know, start eating better. Uh, so with all the injuries he's had, I, you know, I wasn't surprised. I, I know to some, because it, it did, like, whoa, dang, what, is, he, is he eating? because <laughs> he looked kind of uh, very thin compared to his playing day. So that shows you he is committed to not playing football oh. ever again. There's no way if he got hit one time looking like that, you know, he just looked like a, you know, a, a normal thin guy who doesn't work out. So he looks he, happy. He looked, yeah, he looked, yeah, he looked happy, comfortable. Uh, yeah. I, so I, I thought, you know, that I didn't think nothing of it. I, I thought, oh man, he must've went on a serious you know, some form of a of a diet, whatever it is, to, to get to that point so quickly. The, the first guy that I ever remember seeing, like living here, following the Titans, the first guy that I ever remember seeing after his playing days, I didn't know who he was, was remember Jason Matthews? Yeah. Like the swing backup offensive lineman? Yeah. I saw well, him. Well, I played with him. Well, yeah. well, yeah. But do you remember what he looked like after he finished? Yeah. He, he yeah. lost like 100 and something pounds. Yeah, he didn't look like the same guy. I really no- noticed then how long his torso was. <laughs> <laughs> his, his torso and his neck. I'm like, man, dang, you look like a man. You look like he's got even taller. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was at an event 
The administrator at BA, I think. And right somebody now. said, hey, there's Jason Matthews. And mm-hmm. I'm like, where? He said, it's that really tall blonde guy. I'm like, yeah. where? And he goes, the guy right there. I was like, that's not him. I, that's the first time that I ever saw somebody said, hey, when I'm done, I'm dropping all of this. Yeah. yeah. And, and that dude did. Yeah, there's a lot of those guys have done that. Speaking of that is Scott Sanderson uh, and Brad Hopkins. Oh, gosh, I mean, yes. I mean, he doesn't even look like the same guy. I'm like, man, did you play tight end or tackle? <laughs> then I try to ask him what he's doing. He won't ever tell me. I'm like, what What are you actually doing? I, I know you <laughs> reference B-Hop a lot You're, because you guys were in the same draft class. You lived together as rookies. Mm-hmm. How athletic was B-Hop? Oh, man. Just like stupid freaky. Yeah. <laughs> to be that big and to be able to move like he could move. Oh, man. I mean, you know, he used to like dribble on the court where we played basketball, man, and just through the legs and, you know, tomahawking. He, people don't understand it. His background was actually a basketball. He thought he was a basketball player. And I think he went to high school uh, with the guy that went to uh, Iowa, A.C. Earl yeah. or somebody like that. Yeah. And uh, he didn't realize he was a football player and how good he could be really till he got to Illinois. And then he was a tight end there, and that just shows you his athleticism. They moved him to tackle. Uh, it probably ate his way to a tackle in college. <laughs> I always tease him about that. And then he became this monster of a guy. And the reason why I know his history there, not only we playing in some all-star games together, but I had two guys from my high school that were a couple years older than me, Mo Gardner and Derek Bronlow, who played with him, and they were on the defensive side of the ball. They were a couple years older than him, and so they, they said this guy's the real deal. Super-duper athlete, man. And as we see, the, you know, the lineage passes down to his kids, who his son, uh, you know, as Hopkins is on the, the Rams yeah. at tight end. It was a draft pick from Purdue. And his other son is with the Minnesota Twins as a baseball player, and he went to IU. So both of them went to the Big Ten, and they are now in the major leagues as well as the NFL. Crazy. That shows you the athletic gift that he, that trait that he passed down to those guys, which is pretty remarkable. So, yeah, that's that's impressive. That's I mean, he he was, you know, and not only was he athletic, but he was nasty. Yeah. And it almost it was no, he had no choice with you know Bruce Matthews, and he came in with the the Runyon crew. And, you know, Benji, all those guys, were they were dirty. Exactly. I mean, they were doing that stuff in practice. That's what made us actually so good on defense, our D-line. Like, hey, man, they illegally blocking them. What? You got to <laughs> illegally go back at them. So nobody was taking any crap, and it made everybody better. So, yeah, man, that guy, wow. That, yeah. was, a, that was a loaded O-line uh, for sure. Peeler, uh, yeah, that, we had some dudes. Titans practicing in pads today. We'll talk Titans for sure coming up. David Mount Juliet is on the line, though. He's on the Marksman Real Estate Hotline. He wanted to talk a little bit of Vols, though, before we take our first break. Then we'll talk Colts with George Brimmer. David Mount Juliet, what's going on, man? David. Oh, hey, how you doing? Hey, guys, what do y'all think? What, what, where's the college football going with all this transfer portal and paying the guys? I think we're fixing to ruin it totally, aren't we? That's, that's my opinion. I, you know, I, when you start hearing Saban and Smart talking about it and, and, and uh, our, our old ex-buddy Kiffin talking about it and, you know, Mississippi State talking about it, uh, I think we're in trouble now, guys, unless they do something really quick. And Oh, give me y'all's opinion and see what y'all think. Hmm. What do you think about that there, Mickey? I know a lot of people said that before the season started, and I just remember enjoying college football. I don't ever remember thinking, gosh, that tight end sure is making a lot of money from his YouTube channel. Right. You know, or, <laughs> boy, that you know that safety getting a 
courtesy car from the local Chevy dealership. That's just ruined my and, – and I get where you're coming from because it's just going to be different. But the fact that the trombone player in the marching band could go play all the gigs he wanted to and make money, but a guy who was a safety on the football team couldn't do anything to make any money or basketball or women's basketball or whatever, this just levels the playing field. Now, will there be some rules put in place one day just so everybody kind of has a some kind of playing field? Maybe, but the NCAA didn't have any guts to approach this. They wanted Congress to take care of it. They didn't have the guts to do it. So maybe there will be some, something to that one day. Now, I do wonder this. Uh, the transfer portal rules, I don't, I don't think they'll change anytime soon. I, I, I don't. I, I think they'll just, if you go somewhere and it doesn't work out the way you want to, if, if there's a reason you want to leave, I, I think you'll just be able to leave. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're you know a fan of a team and a guy you really like leaves, that stinks for you, but you're going to get somebody back. Right. It, it, it's like the Dr. Pepper it balance itself out. It's going to balance itself out is the way I see it. Yeah, I, I pretty much lean on that same side of it. I, I think, first of all, change is always tough for everyone. Yeah. So we're talking about not only us as fans, but also the coaches. You know, they're not used to that. But meanwhile, they could go wherever they want it. Uh, but you also have to find the unique ways of it taking advantage of it for you. So the portal also is beneficial to a lot of the coaches as well, picking up guys that are experienced. They can actually see them in college playing in actual games. Uh, the paying part really mostly – the guys aren't getting paid a lot of money. Now, there's always the exception to the rule, especially quarterbacks right. that are getting paid. But most of the guys, I mean, you know, NIL deal for, you know, $25, you know, or $250 or whatever it may be, I don't think it's been as profitable as most. But that doesn't mean it can't go there. So I think the NIL, you know, that, I think that's kind of been inflated enough, at least to this point in time. You don't hear a lot of players uh, getting out. I mean, we just heard about the one uh, quarterback that was offered a, a million dollars, and I think another guy last year or so. But most of the guys aren't getting paid that kind of money. Right. I think it's, it's pocket change where we're talking about less than $10,000 in totality of a season. So I'm interested to see where to go. Uh, I, I, change is tough, but – also, it also, on the negative side of it, though, for players, it gives them a healthy excuse to say, well, I don't like it, I'm not playing here, so I'm going somewhere else. So I think the coaches have to change their approach, how they go about players, because, you know, backups are very valuable, and they see what their worth is, and so you, you then change your tack on how you approach them when you're having conversations with them, not only on the football field at practice, but also, uh, you know, showing them their value and letting them have some form of playing time, whether it's special teams or they're in the rotation. Uh, even, let's say, at defensive back, you give them a couple series, you know, that way they feel like they're making progress. So I, I think the coaches have to change their approach. So uh, as much as it's good, you know, there's always going to be negative to everything and change. Well, you really, you nailed it as soon as the first thing you said. Change is hard for people. It is. It's, it's hard, but, but – like anything else, you get used to it. You get used to the way things work. Uh, they're getting used to losing in Indy in games that they have to win and they don't beat the Jags. Uh, George Bremer, who's a beat writer, we've had him on before. He is a great guest. What in the world's going on in Indy? We will find out next here on Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blade and Mickey 104.5 The Zone. What's up, everybody? We are at Nissan Stadium. That's right. We got a big playoff game coming up here on Saturday. In case you didn't know, maybe you just landed on Earth in your spaceship. 
and the Titans getting together with the Red Cross, a blood drive all around the region this week. I mean, you want to celebrate? Why not help save a life while you're all fired up this week? You can get more information. Go to redcrossblood.org slash donate. Type in your zip code. Uh, you can try to come by today. They're accepting some walk-ins, but they're very limited. Uh, type in TN Titans if you want to select this location to see if there's availability left. Uh, but it's been a steady stream of people. But you have many opportunities this week to donate blood uh, and help your friends and neighbors in Nashville. Let's talk to our buddy George Brimmer now who joins us. Let's get kind of a view of things from up in Indy. Uh, Harold Bulletin is who George writes for. Has been on with us many times before. George, how in the world are you doing, man? How are things with you? Interesting, to say the least. But, no, I'm <laughs> glad to be back, and uh, glad to talk to you guys again. Let's start with this. I mean, you covered the Colts for a minute now. Where do you rank the end-of-season loss to the Jag- Jacksonville Jaguars among the worst or most devastating that you've seen in Colts history? Yeah, I mean, I've been around this team for 11 years, and I can't come up with a more unexplainable performance than that one. It's not just that they lost to a 2-14 team with everything on the line. They weren't competitive. They were not in that game. And uh, I, I've i never seen anything quite like it. And, and the response to it uh, from the owner, from the general manager, from the head coach, I've never seen anything quite like that either. So I think it's going to be an interesting couple of months around here. And, uh, yeah, it's it's – in the time that I've been around the team, it's number one, and I don't know if there's a close second. So are, are people there, George, are, are this the Colts nation, are they more mad? Are they sad? Are they just numb to all of it? What's the feeling? Curious, I think. Um, you know, the fan base, they, they've been going through a lot since the whole Andrew Luck situation, really even before he retired. I mean, back to the, the shoulder injury in 2015 and – Every year, it's sort of been sold as well. This is the first time year. And, and just one postseason victory. And, you know, this fan base that, that's spoiled by Peyton Manning, and they expect certain things, <laughs> and they've fallen well, well short of that mark. So, uh, yeah, the fan base is livid. The owner is livid. The, the GM's talking about being embarrassed. Um, it's, it's a really interesting time right now. George Brimmer, our guest, Harold Bulletin, covering the Indianapolis Colts right here on Blaine and Mickey. Yes, George, uh, you talked about, uh, I guess, the owner and the general manager and head coach's uh, response. What were their weird, I guess, uh, responses to that, and what what was your take from it? Well, I mean, in Jim Irsay's case, I believe it was Thursday. We're talking like five days after the game. He's out there in the desert somewhere, standing next to a blaring jet in. Uh, Lucas is going to try another line for George, try to get him on the line. Oh. Sound like we had a little bit of static. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know if that was from us or not. I'm over here touching wires I shouldn't be touching. I, and, uh, I think you should just keep fixing things. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you know. <laughs> you know it's every now and then it works. It, it went away when I just, like, touched it. I know. I, I thought you I, I, re- it. I relaxed it. You know, I just touched it. Ha, 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 ha. Osmosis on there, and then all of a sudden it came right back. I needed to leave my hand up there. You know, sometimes we get static, just like in a house or something. You know, sometimes it's like you need something over the top of it, or, you know, you move it a little bit or just touch it, and then it come, you know, goes away. So you just, you know, never know. And, you know, that's what you have to deal with uh, technology. But, uh, man, I know that the Colts Nation is in a state of shock. You know, I have family there, friends there. That's and your hometown, they are yeah. Pissed. 
I mean, pissed. I mean, they are actually talking about like they're they're going to get another quarterback. So that's what I was going to ask him after his response on you know what the owner, the GM, and the head coach are saying. Like you know, what did they actually say? You know, I want to hear. You know, are they really going to pursue a quarterback? You said they have a lot of set, you know cap space. So you know, yeah, I mean, so I'm interested to see would they even entertain bringing another quarterback. And someone of the level of maybe Russell Wilson or whoever may be available. Let's say it's Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? I have no idea who they could possibly get at this point in time that's not a free agent. Would they trade for him? I mean, man, what would they do? Uh, man, so that that's always the case. Because when you look at their team, they're not a lot. I, I can't really see any major holes right? in their roster. Uh, maybe maybe you can be a little bit better at, at receiver, maybe. But other than that. So we got you back, George? I think so. I hope so. Oh, okay. Yeah, man. I, I think Ursay, you know, he has a lot of clout, man, a lot of power, man. He, he came up <laughs> over your, your phone line there uh, when I asked that question. So what did he actually say? <laughs> there after the season was over him as as well as right what message were they putting out there i mean man are they just as shocked and are, are they going to do something about it yeah no i mean he ursay's really been more or less just apologizing to the fan base which i don't oh. i can't remember in my time there seeing the owner come out and you know and say i'm sorry this is unacceptable and we are going to change this what was interesting is he came out after the season he talked to mike chapel who's been covering the team literally since they came to indianapolis and he said there's change. It's going to happen. It's going to be real. There's going to be, you know, we don't know what, not no specifics. But then he immediately said it won't involve the head coach and it won't involve the general manager. And I, you know, did do some math there real quick. What's the next most important spot of any franchise? And nobody has given the quarterback a vote of confidence. The head coach yeah. didn't do it on Monday after the season. The general manager didn't do it uh, three days later on Thursday. Uh, I think that's where, at least for now, that's where everything's focused. Mm. And if they go down the quarterback route, do you think they would go more so with trade or maybe uh, possibly someone who may be a free agent, not knowing that it would be a free agent? How could they actually get somebody better than Carson Wentz unless they make a trade? I'm trying to figure out where they would go and what direction. Yeah, that that's really the big question right now. I think that's what was so interesting when – when the question was asked on Monday, point blank, will Carson Wentz be your starting quarterback in 2022? I expected Frank Reich to just say yes and move on. He didn't. And then three days later, uh, much of the same verbiage was coming from, from Chris Ballard. They don't have a first-round pick, obviously, so it's not going to come through the draft. And I think that, in, in my mind, it makes it tougher to do it as a trade. That's the only route I can see. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to cost you more, and you're going to have to go deeper into your, your chest there to, to get it done. Um, I think that's what's going to be really interesting. You know, what is the plan there? They're going to have to get creative. Uh, maybe it's it's emotion right now that, that that's driving that. And, and maybe, you know, when everything calms down, I saw something from Peter King yesterday saying that's his guess, that once everything kind of the storm passes, they'll, they'll decide that Carson's still their guy. But uh, it's just even, you know, going back a few years when, when Jacoby Brissett was coming off the 2019 season, they weren't talking like this. You know, they were talking about how much they believed in him, and of course he was back the next year as the backup to Philip Rivers. This is the first time I can remember season ending and them openly expressing doubt about the starting quarterback. Mm. Well, talk a little bit about the starting quarterback because you know Carson went seemed like as though he went on a nice little run there until the end of the season, or maybe even the last game. I'm not watching the Colts as closely as you are. Kind of take us through this last game and what you saw of him as 
uh, you know, a quarterback in this game and how bad he played because, you know, the quarterback gets all the credit and gets all the blame. Naturally, if you're not getting any blocking, then was he just trying too hard to make a play when the play wasn't there and then that caused a turnover? Or was were they actually on him? He just made a bad throw. He had protection and those things. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think the offensive line – absolutely deserves a lot of blame here. I, I think See? Yeah. they played their worst game of the year, and, and they were dominated. And they really lost the battle up front the first time against Jacksonville as well. They were just able to survive it that day because they opened with a 17-point lead. But they won that game 23-17. to I think they had three points in the second half of that one. So uh, there weren't holes for Jonathan Taylor. I think Wentz got hit, uh, got hit ten times, got sacked six times. Uh, it was an absolutely unacceptable performance. And, and you wonder a little bit – that whole unit got hit with COVID. Every single starter had it within the last three weeks of the season. And oh. you do wonder, did that have some impact? Were they, you know, behind a step? Were they struggling? Uh, but whatever it was, they got whipped up front. And I think Carson, you saw it manifest in a couple ways with him. He, he made poor decisions. He had two turnovers. He should have had three or four. Uh, the one fumble was another one of those kind of inexplicable decisions that he made from time to time where he was hit and he kind of stuck the hand out like he was going to throw a shovel pass and another linebacker came in and knocked the ball free. And that was, I believe, the first drive of the second half when you're trying to get back in the game. And then the very next possession, he just telegraphed the throw right to a linebacker. Uh, that can't happen. And then the Jaguars got 10 points off those turnovers and it went from a 13-3 to game to a 23-3 to game and it was over at that point. Uh, I think that's one of the things that was bothering him. And that, that was something you saw – throughout the year at various times. In the, the Tennessee game in Indianapolis, he throws a pick six, rebounds from that to force it overtime, throws another interception that sets up the game-winning field goal. He had two picks in the third quarter against Tampa Bay. The defense has got to do a better job there than allowing 65-yard touchdown drives after each of those. But it's just those moments again and again. Uh, I think there was a big interception against the Raiders. You know, I think that's where the, the issue is. He only threw seven interceptions. You look at the raw numbers, they weren't that bad. 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions, a little over 3,000 yards. But I think in the biggest moments, he wasn't able to deliver. And they've got to look around and see, can they change that or do they need to fix things around him to make that a better situation? Mm. Well, with uh, George Bramer, uh, Coach uh, Beat Writer, I guess one more thing. You brought it up. You said they had COVID, uh, you know, the offensive line, the offensive players really, uh, you know, periodically throughout the uh, last three weeks. You know, I'm not a doctor, but I I'm saying that it's made some guys a little weak at times throughout games uh, when they come back immediately and play. Uh, is it interesting to you that there have been no positive uh, COVID tests for playoff teams here? <laughs> Yeah, very, <laughs> very interesting. I know they changed yeah. the rules a little bit. Uh, oh. And I think it's one of those kind of look the other way kind of situations right now. Uh, <laughs> well, good everybody involved. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was like, man, this is odd. Not of the, the teams that are in the playoff, none of them had anybody test by. Man, they've done a great job, but I guess it was hard to do that during the regular season. Uh, but we're on with George uh, Bremer, Coach uh, B. right there, Mickey. <laughs> So, George, we all know I, COVID I, respects the postseason. 100%. <laughs> COVID understands. COVID their is, games is scared of playoffs. That's what he's scared. That's too intense for COVID. Um, is this Colts roster going to be too intense for some veterans next year, like maybe T.Y. Hilton or, or, or Jack Doyle? Hey, wait, wait. Cathedral High, man. I Watch know. out, man. He yeah, may think... have to retire before they let him go. Man. Come <laughs> on now. What do you think happens to them, and how much different? Does... I know rosters always look different year to year in the NFL, but maybe some big names not there next year. 
Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, if they do get into talks for a trade for a quarterback, you wonder who gets involved in that. I think they're going to have to dip into the player pool there because, again, they don't have a first-round pick. So if they want to be a major player in that regard, there could be guys involved in, in talks there. Uh, the next two dominoes to fall, I believe, will be Hilton and Doyle. They said they're going to take a couple weeks after the season. Both of them are, are thinking about retirement. T.Y., of course, is free agent. Uh, Jack said another year left on his deal, so we'll see where they go. Doyle, after the season, just talked about the grind, you know, how tough it is to, to get ready to play every week and the toll it's taken on his, on his body after a decade. And I think when you, you hear guys talking about that, you kind of get a, you get a feeling for which way they're leaning. Uh, but at the same time, he also mentioned how much he loves being around this locker room. And, uh, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what decision he makes. And it sounds like T.Y. is kind of tied to him in a lot of ways. He said the last month or so of the season, he wants to talk to Jack first. He's going to kind of make his decision off of that. So I would imagine here in the next week or so, they'll they'll find out something about that. And I think uh, both those positions are going to be need positions regardless this offseason, whether or not they uh, bring those two guys back, you know, want to add another dynamic playmaking receiver to go with Michael Pittman. And they really don't have that, that field stretching tight end. I think that's going to be something that they're going to look for as well. So, uh, those two will probably be the first two big dominoes to fall in, in what promises to be a really long offseason for this franchise. George, if next year was a disappointing season again, are the seats like at least near somewhere they could get warm for Reich and or Ballard after next year? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think just the, the language that the owner was using after this season, you know, embarrassing and unacceptable and, and those sorts of things. And, and you've, hear, you've heard a lot. Chris Ballard uh, referenced it, you know, mentioned it during his press conference. They've been here, in his case, five years, in Reich's case, four years, and they only have one playoff win, no division titles. I mean, uh, if it's another season without the playoffs or it's another season where you walk away and you feel like they didn't live up to whatever potential they had, uh, absolutely, I think those seats will start to get warm. It, there's a lot of faith in both of those guys from the owner. He's really behind both of them. I think the locker room's really behind both of them. But it's a results-driven business, and, and the results have to be better. George Brimmer, our guest, uh, Harold Bolton, covering the Colts up in Indy. Well, George, uh, we, you got to tell Doyle that he has to outlast me, so he has to go one more year. I think that will tie with Mark Clayton from our high school is 11 years that he was in, so he's got a couple more years to go to beat him. So you got to make sure you, you pass on that, that uh, information. I wanted to know, uh, George, I guess uh, – Taylor in his season, he had a phenomenal season. Where does he rank with the greatest of the Colts statistically in this one season? Did he break a lot of records or was he like, you know, number two, three on the list? Or did he break some of the records uh, that are out there? Yeah, no, he set the franchise record for single season rushing yards. Uh, he set the same franchise record for rushing touchdowns. He tied the record with Lenny Moore. Uh, so going way back in, in the history books for total touchdowns, uh, it was by all measures, it was, if not the best season, uh, what, top two or three by Colts running back. I know Edron James had a couple years in there. Yeah. Of course, he's a Hall of Famer uh, where he had so many touches both in the running game and the passing game. So I don't think that uh, Taylor quite got the total yards from scrimmage record for the franchise, but uh, when you look at everything he did, he's only 22 years old. So um, I think he's a total package. I think that's that was a home run draft pick there in the second round. They couldn't be happier with him, and I think some of that plays into some of the dissatisfaction with Wentz as Taylor got more and more a part of the offense, and his numbers went higher and higher. 
if you look at Wentz's completion percentage and his yards per attempt went down, and you would expect that would go mm. the exact opposite way. So mm. I think that's part of the, the math that's going on right now in that building. Oh, wow, man. That's that's huge there, that information you just gave us there. I, I guess now you've been talking about Ballard. and which, What grade would you give Ballard over his time as, as a GM there with the Colts? I don't, I don't know what his record is. I'm sure he's around 500 or better. But, you know, what, what would you say his grade is as a GM? And what yeah, are you using to measure over. what your grade is? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. I think he's about one game over 500 uh, oh. overall. And part of that was 2017, which you can almost throw that one out. That's the year that that Luck sat out, and it was you know that it was just a mess from from the get go. They they had a lame duck coach, and nothing about that year was was really right or normal. Um, but I, I'd probably give him a B B plus. I mean, he's drafted really well with Taylor making the All Pro team this year. He's drafted three All Pros in, in five years here. Uh, which is a pretty good record. Uh, and a couple of those guys in, in Quentin Nelson and, and Darius Leonard are, are really obviously franchise building blocks. Uh, but again, I mean, I think the one glaring thing that, that stands out, this team has two playoff appearances with Reich and, and Ballard in charge and just one postseason win, and they haven't won a division title yet. And obviously Tennessee's had a lot to do with that with the great seasons that they've had uh, under Mike Vrabel. They they had to get through Deshaun Watson in Houston a couple years, and they, one year they tied with them and they beat them in the playoffs. But they haven't won that division crown. They haven't you know advanced in the postseason, and I think that's at this point that's what they're going to be measured by moving forward. You know they 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 brought the roster up, the talent of the roster from top to bottom has has greatly improved. Everything about the franchise is in a better place than it was when when Ballard arrived in 2017. But now it's time to win, and, and they haven't done that at a high enough level yet, and they, they're the first to say it. You know, I think they've been very open about that. They understand the expectations are really high here, and they've fallen short. Well, one more question here. It was hard for me to watch a lot of it. Uh, that was hard knocks uh, you know, during the season. I guess give us uh, the pros and cons of what you saw, if you liked it or didn't like it, I guess. Yeah, you know, it was really interesting. I think we were worried as, as media coming in that, you know, there's going to be all these things behind closed doors that you can't get to that's going to get revealed and you're going to look like you don't know what's going on. And, and I think what we found out is that they've been pretty open. You know, there weren't a lot of surprises on there. You know, a lot of things that we saw on that show were things that we'd heard uh, in one way or another, things that you could guess and extrapolate from what you've seen, which is, is always nice to know. Uh, you know, I think Frank Reich has a really it, – it's – polarizing in some ways because he's not a fire and brimstone coach. He comes from that Tony Dungy school. Dungy's a real mentor to him, and, and he's not a guy. And especially in this last episode, there are a lot of people around here that wanted him to kind of tear the paint off the walls in the locker room after that game, and that's not who he is. And I think Blaine can probably speak to this. As a head coach, you've got to stay within your personality. If he'd come into that room and started, you know, screaming and yelling and, and doing some of the things that the fan base wanted to see him do – I don't think the players would have responded because they would know it's not him. It would have been an act. It would have been something for the cameras. And, you know, I think they understand. He's played in the league for 14 years. He's been in their shoes. He really connects well with this team. I think Ballard's very open and, and very honest in the way that he evaluates guys. So they've got – and you saw that throughout the, the, the series, you know, that the heart that, that's there in this group. But – for whatever reason, it hasn't come together on the field when it needs to. And I think that's that's what they're looking at here the next month, two months, however long it is till free agency at this point. 
you know, trying to figure out what are they missing and what do they have to do to get that right mix on the field to where they can go out and beat Jacksonville at the end of the year and, and make a playoff run. Mm. George, great stuff, man. People need to be following you if they're interested in this because I know you got it covered at GM uh, Brimmer, B-R-E-M-E-R. Thank you, sir, for the time, and we'll catch up again soon. Appreciate it, George. Thanks a lot, guys. No problem. Good luck on this weekend. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. When we come back, Mike Vrabel actually talked about this team and when do they need to peak. How's that going to work? He got into that today. We'll hear from the head coach of the Titans next on Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5, the zone. <laughs> yep, Alex a- Apple was here. Just see, he had a debacle here at Knockdown. <laughs> he knocked down my Diet Coke. No, it wasn't my Diet Coke. But <laughs> but uh, we appreciate him stopping by, partner in crime there. No man. Uh, when one of us are missing, he always uh, carries the, the fort for us. So, yeah, man, appreciate him stopping by, you know, donating some blood. He just steps right in every time. Uh, Jeff in Nolensville getting ready to step in. Jeff, let's do this. I teased it. Let me play this sound. Mike Vrabel talking today about getting the team ready, getting them to peak at the right time. Then we'll peak at the right time with Jeff and Nolansville's call. This is Mike Vrabel earlier today. Yeah, we talked about that today, just being ready at um, 3.30, you know, trying to build some momentum here with some really good practices and preparation and, and not being over that line before the game, you know, trying to use everything that we have mentally and physically uh, at 3.30. Mike Vrabel talking about that because and they couldn't practice last week, did a couple days. Went, uh, my mind would be going crazy right now thinking about playing this game, but you got to manage everybody, manage the emotions. Starting practice back today since it's a Saturday game, uh, but uh, said the, the focus is to get everybody ready to play 3.30 Saturday. Well, it's funny, you know, This does, as a player, this week is no different than any other week, just like last week, then you're preparing for another game just because it's a playoff game. So from a fan's perspective, yeah, they're getting hyped up and ready to go, but the player is still focused at the task because they're doing the preparation right. uh, that they normally go through. Uh, so I, I don't think the players' minds are, are going crazy and – uh, you know, it's just a normal week preparation. You got to know that this is the best of the best, the hottest teams, and that you're gonna, you know, have to prepare and play your best and try to time up all that anxiety, you know, on Saturday at three thirty. Now, one thing's different is that they hadn't played at that time, you know, a whole lot. Right. Uh, so you're you're trying to manage through that throughout a day. Uh, maybe you practice, maybe you change the practice schedule where you're actually practicing, you know, maybe an hour before that or so. I, I don't know. Some coaches are really into time uh practice at the time you're actually going to play uh you know Vrabel seems like he's a very detail-oriented head coach so I wouldn't be surprised at that so maybe some of the schedule moved around but maybe the schedule stayed the same because that's really what the schedule they were on uh but as far as a player you must approach it that way but you you have to peak at the right time and, and not get exhausted uh it's one thing once you get to the Super Bowl though there are changes in so many different variables there. You have to kind of change your halftime and yeah. before game routine because there's so much of a long lag uh, after warm-ups and then at halftime that are really different. And, and it, it, I mean, literally, you know, like 30 minutes. 
It's like, whoa. It's normally 14 or whatever. Yeah, you usually get in there, you talk about the changes, then boom, you're right back out. Yep. That's what it feels like. Then you got to get out there and warm up again and start all over. But, yeah, so those are the things that are different, you know, during that week. But right now, everything should considerably be the same when it comes to preparation. Let's get Jeff in Nolensville really quick on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. Hey, Jeff, welcome in. Hey, how y'all doing? First time, long time. Appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah, my question is, is uh, I've been watching the pros for a long time. So I, was with, I was there for the catch back in, in the Bay Area. Oh, yeah. And uh, my favorite moment in my life, actually. I cannot put my mind together out of the Parcells tree, the Walsh tree, and all the other trees, now the Johnson tree and the Belichick tree. I can't think of another player that has won a, a ring from the Super Bowl as a player and a coach. And variable as cool as a cucumber and one bad dude, but that has got to be on his mind if that is the case. What do y'all know about that? Uh, well, I won't, that one, didn't Tony Dungy play? He did for yeah, the Steelers. He's for the Steelers, uh, so that's one right off the top of my head. I, I'm, I'm sure there's, uh, and he was a head coach. I, I'm, it's not that many though. I, I, you know, like you would think uh, that there's former players that have been head coaches that have won as a, a Super Bowl. Uh, as a player and a coach, um, I would love to see that list. I'm sure Mickey knows that list, right? Mickey, you're a big time stat guy. I'm about to blow your mind with one. Uh oh! And you can see. You can don't tell it. me it's like. Don't tell me 1950 or something. No, man. no. Well, there was no Super Bowl until oh, the okay. 60s. Okay, 60s. I, I think Tom Flores did it. I think he was a backup on the Chiefs oh, okay. and then won it coaching the Raiders. The Hall of Famer Tom okay. Flores. Okay. What about Mike Dicka? Mike, Mike Dicka, Dicka is the, yeah, yeah, Mike Dicka. Won it with the oh, that's Cowboys. That's a good one there. I, I should have thought of that one. Well, but people and, and people always think of him as a Bears tight end. He won a Super Bowl with the Cowboys late in his career. Lucas, that's a good uh, pull. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because all I remember him is as the head coach of the Bears in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he was an exceptional player. So, uh, oh my gosh, yeah, he was a great uh, player. Man, uh, I would probably bet it's maybe only a handful of guys. Yeah, Max. and you pulling Tony Dungy first. He had a real short career. I think he was a college quarterback at Minnesota. They made him a safety in Pittsburgh. He didn't play very long. He's tiny. You're right. And he was on the steel curtain defense. Yeah. And then I think he realized, my future is not getting my head beat in. I can coach. Yeah. So, so he just instantly made the transition. It's not Dungy. a big list there. You know, one thing about Vrabel, you know, I was talking about this maybe a couple of weeks ago, is, you know, he won three Super Bowls as a player, and then if he wins one as a head coach, his legacy is pretty pronounced. I mean, he's man, he's done a man. That's that's an incredible legacy there, and I don't even know where that would rank as far as him being a you know Hall of Famer in any fashion because you can't combine like careers. Yeah. But man, wow, that'd be impressive. Let alone he's just getting going. I mean, really is. I mean, as a head coach. So he has possibility, you know, to do this for a long time, and he's he's gonna have ample chances uh, with years. Not to say he's gonna always gonna make the playoffs and, you know, go on a run to the Super Bowl, but man, he's definitely on the right track. Oh my gosh, what, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, in his forties, he's got a long time to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's very true. Good, man, uh, we don't have much longer to do this because we got to get out of the first hour and into the second hour of the program. Coach Mack is going to join us, so you don't want to go anywhere. That's all coming up in hour number two. Headlines next on Blade and Mickey.